1: Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier. It is Friday, so you know what that means. Nora's on the show. Nora, happy February.
2: Happy February, Tate.
1: It's great to see you. You're the first to
2: wish me a happy February today, so uh, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, of course. Rabbit, rabbit. Uh, Good luck. Uh, I hope all things happen well in February, and the good news is that we have good football, Nora, because uh, what people would say are the two best teams, one in the NFC, one in the AFC, are going to play in the Super Bowl. Now, we have a week, obviously, to get our minds mentally prepared to go through all of the many things leading up to this game, but just your gut feeling right now for, for, for the Super Bowl. How are you feeling? Who you got in this game? Or are you even at that point to make a decision?
2: You know, I I, I am. I haven't totally broken down like everything that, that I think is going to influence the game. But once the Chiefs did what they did against our Ravens, our poor mm. Ravens, Tate, our I'm still Ravens. not over it.
1: I'm not either. I'm hurt. But
2: once that happened and once that game really unfolded on Kansas City's terms and Mahomes... Just did exactly enough to win. Not a thing more, not a thing less, but just exactly what they needed to go to the Super Bowl. I just kind of went, oh, this is Tom Brady. Like this, this is what that was, where it it's was happening just. Again. Yeah. Until <laughs> the final whistle. If that guy's not out, you should just assume that he's going to find a way and that he's going to make it. So like I have gone from being a total Chiefs doubter. I owe that fan base such an apology. I really (laughs) did not believe in you. I did not think that this was possible with this Mm. group of receivers. They have proven me so wrong. And so now I'm just giving into it and just saying like they cannot be stopped. Kansas City all the way. Um, I think they'd prefer a low scoring game, but I I believe in the Chiefs.
1: Are you shocked that Vegas has the 49ers? Because you would think that Vegas sees the Super Bowl champs currently going back to the Super Bowl and they would give them the benefit of the doubt, make them the favorites. Are we are we surprised that the 49ers are actually minus one and a half in this game?
2: Yeah, I kind of am. Because if, if I'm, and I mean, I know nothing about this, right? But like if the books are trying to predict how people are going to feel about this matchup and therefore where the money is going to go and therefore where their liabilities are going to be. Mm-hmm. The way that I feel, just intuitively, is like if I have the opportunity to bet on Patrick Mahomes as an underdog, <laughs> I am taking yeah. that opportunity. Like I I've, sign me up. So I'm, I am, I can't believe he's gone through these playoffs. He'll have been an underdog three weeks in a row. And I would bet that the the third one turns out the way that the first two did. Uh so yes, I am, I'm very surprised by it.
1: Yeah, Vegas, third strike, and you're out uh, three times in a row that they have decided to give you Pat Mahomes and the points, which is uh, shocking to see. She's
2: very generous, frankly. Be-
1: Yeah, very generous. Shout out to Vegas. Uh, Let's talk about positional matchups in this game. They will not go against each other, but Brock Purdy and Pat Mahomes, I would assume, will be the topic of conversation. So we will be talking a lot about quarterback play. We'll be talking about game changers versus game managers, I'm sure. Um, Do you think it's going to be the Brock Purdy, Pat Mahomes show, or does Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel, does someone else take the limelight away from Purdy?
2: So I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think McCaffrey is the key to the game. Mm -hmm. because to me, really, where this this game hinges... And there's a couple of different ways that you could play that. This is a really interesting matchup because I think these teams are pretty even, but they are really different. Their strengths and weaknesses are like polar opposites. So it's a real styles-make-fights game, I think. And Mm -hmm. and Christian McCaffrey is really the key for San Francisco because if he keeps them in positive down-and-distances then that's Steve Spagnuolo defense for the Chiefs, which has been the strength of that team. They can't do what they want to do. They can't tee off. They can't let him get into all of his blitz packages and the way that he gets pressure on quarterbacks and the stuff that he likes to do to just create chaos when it's third and long. Then I think the game is being played on the 49ers terms. And it's more comfortable for Kyle Shanahan. It's more comfortable for Brock Purdy. It's the way that they like to dictate Matchups, So I, I think that Christian McCaffrey, who had just been traded to San Francisco, he'd been there for less than a week the last time these these teams played each other. And he didn't have a great he didn't have a great day. The offense was a little out of sync. Um, and I think that it was just a product of it being so new. That is where, especially for San Francisco, I think the crux of the game is going to be so Mm. I I think that positional matchup um, Christian McCaffrey against the Kansas City run defense that was not tested by the Ravens and I think was such a fault of that game plan and and of Todd Munkin's managing of the AFC championship game Christian McCaffrey and Kyle Shanahan's ability to try to put some stress on that unit is to me a number one what to look for.
1: Let's talk about if your gut is correct, Nora. If the Chiefs win, uh, where would we rank Pat Mahomes in, in terms of all-time quarterbacks? And also, is this confirming the fact that the Chiefs are officially a dynasty in the NFL?
2: If they win, they're absolutely unequivocally a dynasty. I, I think, look, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. Mm. And he, at his absolute best is a better player than Tom Brady. Now, I, I've said this a lot this week. The name of the game is to win Super Bowls. It's not to make awesome no-look passes. But here's where it, it gets interesting for me and where I think the stakes of the Super Bowl, You know, and in the one sense, the stakes of the Super Bowl are not that high for Mahomes because if the Chiefs lose, you know... They got to figure out how much Travis Kelsey has left in the tank. They got to reload at receiver, but pretty much they run it back next year and they will be a lot of people's Super Bowl pick and they will probably be mine and very little is going to change. But if they win and he is three and one in Super Bowls and has been to four Super Bowls in his first six seasons as a starter, then he is outpacing what the Patriots did. So Tom Brady, after six seasons as a starter, he'd been to three Super Bowls. He'd won all of them. Brady did eventually start three and one in his Super Bowl career, but it took a long time to get to get back to the game. If Mahomes is three and one at this point, I think that's better than being three and zero. Oh. I think you get an extra. You know, it gets complicated if he loses and then he's two and two versus. Three and oh, and it's how much do you award getting there versus winning the game? But if he's three and one and Brady's just three and oh, I think you pretty unequivocally have to say that in the same time frame, Mahomes is outpacing the accomplishments of the Brady era Patriots. And I think if that is true, then we have to sort of start talking about this Chiefs dynasty and this Chiefs dynasty as a thing that could match what New England did a little bit less hypothetically and a little bit more as a thing that is like very much happening right before our eyes. And that's not to say that that winning a third means that you're going to win the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, you know, and then maybe a seventh. But it is to say that up to the point where you can do a one-to-one comparison, they're ahead in the race. So I yeah. do think in that sense, Mahomes has a a real argument for number one on the all-time QB list that he hasn't had before.
1: Well, Tom Brady defenders will point out that that one loss was to Tom Brady on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So It I, is I'm indeed sure- true. I'm sure they'll have a tough time uh digesting what you just said, but I think it's a very very valid point, Nora. Uh one last thing on this game, is this um you know Andy Reed's final farewell? I mean, we've seen a lot of good coaches leave the game both at the college level and at the NFL level. Do we think this could be We've talked a lot about Kelsey, how this could be potentially his last game. Do you think this could be a swan song for Andy Reed? Man. I hope not. You know, it's
2: I I hope not, and we haven't really heard anything to indicate that He's got a real shot if he keeps coaching for a few more years of he could get up there in terms of chasing that Belichick record. Um, sorry, the the uh Shula record Shula that Belichick record. is chasing, yep. even if Belichick catches him. The thing that is interesting to me there is is, you know, Steve Spagnolo is such a beloved guy in that Chiefs locker room and and with those players, and his defense has really been the thing that has powered them this year. And his hiring, I do think changed changed some playoff narratives there, where they'd fallen short, and you know they'd lost to, to Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game in 2018, in part because their defense couldn't hold up. But the way that that Spags has rebuilt that unit is exceptional, and he's still not getting any head coaching interest whatsoever because you know he's got like a 208 win percentage. As the head coach, and I think teams are a little spooked by that. But I do think that the the one sort of exception to that would be if he ends up taking over for Andy in Kansas City. And so if Andy did retire, that would be the the first question that I would have would be: is the door open for Steve Spagnolo? Or, and this doesn't have anything to do with Andy Reid, but or if they win the Super Bowl on the strength of just like an amazing defensive game plan, does that does that start to open the door for maybe next year or in the future for Spags to get at least legitimate attention as a mm. candidate? Because he said he wants to do it again.
1: Yeah, maybe we get Spagnuolo and uh, and we get Eric Bieniemy there together, a little co head coach action uh, in Kansas City. Maybe that could be something post Andy Reid. Who knows? Uh, there's a there's a lot out there, but hopefully like we have, yeah hopefully we have Andy Reid back. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. We're gonna talk to Nora about some coaching hires around the NFL. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Nora and uh, we talked Super Bowl. We did not talk about the Pro Bowl. Um, I don't know, Nora, if you have any thoughts on the Pro Bowl quickly. Skills but we're competition? Talk- <laughs> yeah, are you Best excited ball? about
2: it? There's a little like golfing type situation, I think. Um, kick-tack-toe. The what Brandon is Aubrey versus <laughs> Justin Tucker.
1: It feels like a recess uh, episode. Yeah, right. Field day. Perfect. That that is the right way to put it, Uh, which is going to be fun to watch, I guess, for all the people that are going to take the the presidential
2: fitness test.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be good. That's what
2: they should
0: do.
1: Yeah, like the sit and reach. Like, let's let's see what's going on with everybody. Uh, Everyone's most uh, dreaded thing when they were young kids. Uh, Shout out to um, everybody that's going to be in the Pro Bowl. But let's talk about some of the coaching hirings around the NFL. The commanders are hiring Dan Quinn. Yes, that's right. Dan Quinn, the former Falcons head coach, was there for six years, record of 43 and 42. He has now going to be taken over after ron rivera's exit there in washington um we don't have to grade the higher nor because that's uh, what everybody else is going to do but did, does this pop is this a good headline does this win in the press clippings by hiring dan quinn
2: i think it's okay okay i think one of the things that that comes to mind first for me is uh someone you brought up before which is just man eric Bieniemy mm. continues to get the short end of the stick
1: Right, he was And
2: right there. when he was, was when he took that, made that lateral move right to Washington, the implication was that he was doing it either to clear his path for a head coaching job by getting out of the Andy Reid bubble, which had been held against him, or because there was a coach there in Ron Rivera who, who sort of needed a successor. And then the team gets sold and it, it just sort of resets the franchise in a new direction. Which I assume is is why he ended up not being the guy there. But I just feel bad for the man because he's Me good too. at his he's good at his job, and it continues to not work out. But you know Dan Quinn, um, I like Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn I think is a really good defensive coach. I'm very curious to see how he builds out the offensive side of the ball and and how Adam Peters, who he's paired with as GM there, approach the Pivotal decision that they're going to make in April about what to do with the number two pick because I I don't mind this hire at all. I think Dan Quinn deserves another head coaching look and and I like what he can bring in terms of smarts on the defensive side of the ball. But then also just like he's a good he's a pretty good leader like he's a good Mm -hmm. even handed guy. But what I was expecting to be talking about with the commander's job was here's the guy that they are entrusting to manage the career of, you know, whether it's Drake May or whoever else, the person that they pick at number two overall. And that just because they went defense is a little bit more of an open question of, like, okay, how are they seeing that? And and how are they going to coach up this this rookie quarterback who the hopes of the franchise are really going to be pinned on more so, honestly, than, like, who the head coach is? Um, mm-hmm. So questions still there, but in general, I like the hire.
1: And it, there was, the, the story that came out was Amon Ross St. Brown, uh receiver for the Lions, I guess, was texting, uh, you know, about, like, you know, Ben Johnson, what's the next move? What's happening with the head coaching stuff? And then he was like, I'm on the way to the office. I, I plan to be in Detroit, job's not finished, right? And that that's kind of the media story that came out, which is admirable at some level, right? It, it almost makes him likable that he feels like he, he wants to do whatever the thing is in Detroit, which seems like they want to get to a Super Bowl. So um, it is a very um, almost like, I guess not martyrdom, but there there is a level of respect, I guess, that goes to the fact that he wants to stay as a coordinator. So uh, he will be a conversation point for sure um, as we move forward. The Seahawks, I mean, a lot of people thought Dan Quinn might be up for that job because of his connected tissue there, but they hire Mike McDonald from the Baltimore Ravens. They get another former DC there. What are your thoughts on him going to Seattle? And what does Seattle look like now without Pete Carroll?
2: I love this. I absolutely mm-hmm. love this hire. I mean, first of all, Mike McDonald, Look, he's young. Yeah. So there is some degree of you're taking a chance on this guy if you're hiring him to replace who is one of the most experienced head coaches in the NFL. But here's the thing that I think, beyond just the fact that Mike McDonald is really smart, has a great reputation, reputation for really good collaborative skills, really good people skills, really good at empowering both his assistants and also the players around him that I think is a meaningful trait for a head coach. Here's the thing that I think is the, the cherry on top because I don't totally think that you should hire a head coach because you want an amazing coordinator, right? Like you don't mm-hmm. hire the guy to lead your franchise because they're really good with X's and O's on one side of the ball because that ends up being, you know, maybe 25% of the job, not even, and all of a sudden other stuff ends up being more important. and, and It's like Charlie
1: Weiss, right? That was always the problem. Right, he was this right. offensive mastermind, but he couldn't do the other stuff, the CEO Couldn't stuff. do the,
2: the management, the leadership stuff. No. I do think that there is a little bit of an, an exception, first of all, in that Mike McDonald, as a defensive coordinator, has shown particularly that he is very good against the Shanahan offense. And if you are in that NFC West, And you have the Rams and the 49ers. And that, that, you know, you, you, that's, that's four games a year for you. Having a guy who you know, understands that system. And, you know, I'm, I'm citing the Rams and the Niners, but offshoots of the way that they play offensive football are all over the league at this point. And being able to stop Mm. that system is the most important ability for a defensive coach in 2024. You feel good about getting someone in the building who's shown an aptitude for stopping that system, and then beyond that, the Seahawks over the last couple of years have been on this journey where I think it was two years ago Pete Carroll at the the owners' meetings, I think it was talked about how they were, after a long time, moving away from the old Gus Bradley, Legion of Boom, single high world defensively. And they wanted to become more of a Fangio style defense because they looked at that and, and saw that it was better at stopping those Shanahan McVay type offenses. And also that that was just the way that the league was trending and they wanted to do it. And since then, they have really struggled to implement it. They've drafted actually pretty well, but they won. You can see that there just wasn't a full fledged understanding of what the system was. So then they would try to implement it, but then it wouldn't work. And then the personnel wasn't quite right for it. So then they would change their defensive line formations, and Pete Carroll would get involved. And they just kept tinkering. And I give them credit for trying, right? Like I, I actually give Pete Carroll a pretty significant amount of credit for saying, my system doesn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a big thing for a coach to do, and a lot of guys would have trouble doing it. But they never quite knew how to implement the new one. And Mike McDonald is as good as you can get for knowing how to do that. So I'm really curious to see how he manages that roster and whether or not that defense, which has been, I think, less than the sum of its parts for the last couple of years, can really come together under his coaching. So I'm I'm really, I'm a little lukewarm on the Dan Quinn in, in Washington. I am in on Seattle and Mike McDonald.
1: Yeah, that was a great breakdown, Nora. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back. We're going to have Nora debunk what's happening and what's going on with Tom Brady. Uh, wow. It's happening again. We'll be right back.
3: This episode is brought to you by hotels.com.
1: Welcome back to Through the Ringer. Uh, you know the game. We have Nora on the show, and uh, we throw some major stories that are happening in the NFL. We have her debunk or make sense of what's happening. And uh, I just want to talk about Tom Brady, Nora, because you've covered I this love guy. It. I love it. Tom you-
2: Brady is one of my favorite <laughs> topics.
1: He's he's a great topic. Uh, Well, as we all know, Tom Brady is replacing Greg Olson in the Fox booth. Uh, He also just recently merged his TV 12 and his Brady brand into a larger company right now. He's got his dad talking about Bill Belichick's uh, personal skills um, and his inability to talk to people. Everything is turning up Brady right now. Uh, What are your thoughts on Tom Brady replacing Olson? Is that going to be a tough transition for him or will he be great at that as well?
2: he might be great but it's gonna be a tough transition because Greg Olson is like the best working He's the best broadcaster we have right and he because of this previous arrangement with Tom flippin' Brady what he just he just has to be the sidekick now I, I can't stand it they yeah. need to find a way to get both of these guys on our televisions regularly going forward if Tom Brady has to be there like that's fine and I am curious to see how he'll be as a commentator, but I just, I I don't want to live in a world where I don't get to hear Greg Olson calling games.
1: I feel like Tom Brady should be in the studio and and I don't want to tell him what to do because he is Tom Brady. He's won seven Super Bowls. He can do anything, but I do think him in studio with Michael Strahan, with Terry Bradshaw, like, you know, I, I think it's a nice setup and I think he also would be so good at the studio conversations and Greg and Kevin Burkhardt have such a rapport with each other already it might be a little bit shocking or feel a little bit off when he first steps in. So I think he's put a lot of pressure on himself, Nora. I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but there's going to be an expectation that's been set because Greg is so good that he should exceed that. And if he doesn't, then, you know, people will come out and start pointing the finger and saying, we want Greg back.
2: For sure. I mean, I think I'm encouraged by the fact that Brady, especially this season, has pretty openly criticized a lot of quarterback play.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Which tells me that like look, Tom Brady often is a pretty tactful guy and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to stir up controversy. He doesn't want to say anything nasty. And I wondered if that would make him a very boring person in the booth because come on, it's Tom Brady. Like you want the dish. You want mm-hmm. what he is seeing and he is such an avid perfectionist that I'm sorry, I'm sure a lot of what he sees when he watches football is what the heck is he doing out there and you want to hear that commentary and i i i remain a little worried that we just won't mm. um but it is encouraging to me that he's been willing to go there a little bit this season so maybe maybe he'll be great and i wouldn't be shocked by that at all my point is just continue to give us greg olson we we need greg olson
1: yeah greg said he is going to quote take a look at the entire spectrum of opportunities nora um that is a great that's a great line i mean I, what is the entire spectrum of opportunities for greg olson look like
2: i mean the sky is the limit
1: maybe a podcast or something get in the, get into yeah.
2: get into politics 2024 <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah he could do a lot of things with that um so yeah greg olson we're pulling for you tom brady we're pulling for you one last thing on this nora is there olson any-
2: swift 24 yeah. There you go. That's a I like good, that's their good.
1: chances. That's a good ticket. They could win. Is there any chance that Tom Brady calling games and Pat Mahomes kind of nipping at his heels in the goat conversation? He uses his new platform to kind of uh, you know keep keep Pat Mahomes at bay a little bit. Like does he use his words to uh, to make sure that people know? Like very Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Could that happen?
2: I don't think I don't think Brady would do that. But I do think that we will be able to... It'll be very interesting to see, in particular, how he talks about Mahomes. Mm. Because, you know, he's done such a good job over the last few years of kind of kind of wrapping up the... I mean, I think the... the who deserves more credit, Belichick or Brady, is, like, mostly silly and they needed each other. But
1: he kind of won the he war he made
2: he made the years after they split a referendum on bill and not on himself and and which means that really the only the only sort of like legacy foil he has is mahomes and if he's in a position where he's regularly talking about him to audiences of millions and millions how he uses that spot you're right to point it out because it'll be interesting
1: yeah, I, I would not be shocked if he brings up that uh, photo of Mahomes in the locker room that we saw after the AFC Championship <laughs> game and uh, likes to, you know, Yeah, mix. but Mahomes
2: can just bring up Brady's Combine photo. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's true. That's a, Maybe both these guys are just, you know, promoting the dad bod. So uh, it could be good news for dads everywhere that are watching the NFL. Um, Nora, where can we find all your amazing work? And then we'll let you go enjoy your Friday.
2: TheRinger.com. Mm. Every single album. We did take we did like twenty minutes of of uh film breakdown on an episode of every single album this week. We're calling it the Swifties Guide to the Super Bowl. So I love if it. people <laughs> want a little bit more, they can check that out. And and there's also a lot of Taylor talk in there too. And the Ringer NFL Show. I'm on Dual Threat normally twice a week, but next week we're gonna have a lot of extra content. Also, the Ringer YouTube page, the Ringer NFL YouTube yeah. page. Um, so lots of places. Go check it yeah. out.
1: I love it. Nora's everywhere. Nora, we appreciate you coming on the show as always. Uh, hope you can enjoy your Pro Bowl, and we'll see you next week. <laughs> Thank you, Tay. Of course. Uh, stay right there because when we come back, we're going to have the Ringers' very own Tyler Parker talk about the NBA. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here in Los Angeles, live in studio, and joining us now, the Ringer's very own, Tyler Parker. Tyler, great to see you, man. Dude,
4: thrilled to be here. Thrilled to see you.
1: Well, you know what I usually do when you come on the show? I pepper you with questions about the Oklahoma City (laughs) Thunder. (laughs) And today is no different. Let's start. The Thunder just beat the champs. The Denver Nuggets 105-100. Takeaways from this game. The Thunder, like what is the ceiling of this team? Do they need another piece, or do we feel good about where they are right now?
4: you know it's i it's i think it's yes it's 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 both right i think you feel very good about where second they, in the west second in the west and to be the All-star second starter second youngest team in the league um you it, i think you know Chet and Jalen Williams they don't have great arguments to be all stars but they have decent ones mm-hmm. right they're not going to get in there but that they've both um That Jalen has sort of become what he's become, that he's bloomed into this kind of two way force that can take over in fourth quarters in just his second year. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a really, really scary front line that's kind of blooming there. I think they are probably, they do need another piece. Jalen Williams recently went down with an ankle and in the, the, that next, that next game was against the Nuggets last night. But even last night, you kind of saw like, you need a little bit more oomph offensively than Mm -hmm. maybe what you've got right now and everybody's talking about it it's a fair critique the size thing I mean it's it's a it's a light front line for sure they use that to their advantage in a lot of other areas and can kind of keep big scrambling because of the way that they play but you'd like to see them maybe go out and get another body that can go grab some rebounds and guard some of these, you know, Scores some of these big boys
1: so who does that who is that right i mean i've heard people say there's a big that they need to add to this team like and there's you know a lot of bigs that could be on the buyout market things like that but who's like a player that if you sign or you make a trade for that you're like oh this guy could actually change the trajectory of this team
4: i think if i think if they go that route and they get a big you want somebody who's not going to bog down the way they like to play they play kind of a constant attacking style everybody drives it's not some situation where if you're just a rim running big, you can kind of fit in. You need to be able to catch and put it on the deck a little bit and make some decisions with the ball. Somebody like a Kelly Olynyk in that fashion mm. where not a lot of years left on the deal, not a lot of money, but somebody who playoff theoretically... experience, also. Playoff experience could come in, could lean on Jokic for a little bit if you needed him to in a situation like that, but is also not going to stop what you do well from continuing you know Mm -hmm. what i mean it I, i i worry about somebody like a capella is a name you hear thrown around by some people and i worry about a guy that plays like that fitting in on an offense that is entirely predicated on like all right let's get it moving and keep it moving and be able to do something with it once we get it and he it just a plotting kind of big like that, even one that can give you some verticality and go catch some lobs, I, I don't think it's what they're going to try to do. Who's a dream trade asset? Like, who's a
1: guy on a team out there that maybe is not, you know, going to be in the play-in, that's on the outside looking in, that you're like, if you put them on this Thunder team, they would thrive?
4: I mean, we were talking before the mics went on, someone like a Cam Johnson, mm. a big wing who could guard some of these big scores in the experience. West. experience got experience and is going to get a lot of open shots and knows what to do with those um it that would be a big swing i mean and you'd probably have to include some
1: picks potentially and maybe like a giddy i don't know who
4: and who knows if the nets are trying to 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 hop off of somebody like that because those are Villanova guys that everybody are
1: saying yes. They they are like Mikel Bridges, you're coming to the Knicks even yeah. if he doesn't want to. I mean, they're they're making uh, it happen.
4: Hey, I, I mean, see a
1: trade machine every day
4: I, out from these Villanova fans. I mean, it's not, it's not what not we're talking about, but I would love it if Bridges <laughs> went to the Knicks. That would be wouldn't that be so fun? Yeah, Jay Wright's next. <laughs> <laughs> Tibbs' t- Tibs smile turns to a frown on that. D Someone like that. I mean it, the, the the dream ten doll dreams for Tyler Parker personally, mm-hmm. Nas Reed. Oh yeah. Wolves aren't wolves aren't right. wolves aren't parting with Number perfection. Number one in the West. Yeah. Wolves aren't parting with perfection there. But like in terms of like like that that's the archetype for me. Kind of a, a a backup big that can play starters minutes if you need him to, but like can move the ball and do some stuff when it's in his hands and you feel comfortable. When he's catching a swing-swing rotation out of a Mm -hmm. double on the other side, and he's the guy that's shooting it in the corner. You know what I mean? Someone like that.
1: Everybody's going to talk about Chet Wimby. I want to talk about another rivalry, a young rivalry that's happening in real time right now. Anthony Edwards versus SGA. Yeah. And more specifically, Anthony Edwards versus the refs that call fouls for SGA. I mean, he is... He has made it known. He's yes. pointed it out multiple times, and now they're both one and two in the Western Conference. And both guys get downhill. Both guys are future superstars. Do you like this little budding? It feels like a rivalry is brewing. Yes, I mean, it's not out there yet, but it's it's on the verge.
4: No, they need they need a playoff series. They need an extended playoff series to kind of consummate the rivalry. Yeah, and to really like let the fan bases kind of gnash at each other And I like it. Bit. Like, he's the face of Canada. Ant-Man's going to be
1: the face of USA basketball.
4: It works. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that each fan base can say, like, well, like, look, like, Edwards is three years younger. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, but they've had a little bit, that team, your, your team is a little bit more mature. It's had a little bit more time <laughs> right. to grow. We're still young in this. You know, Chet's it's like. Chet's from
1: Minnesota. There you, so, like, he's going against his home team that
4: he grew up pulling for. There's there, a lot
1: of layers between well, you both, know, it,
4: both teams It. Both teams are super competitive and play great defense. Like the Timberwolves have the best defense in the league. The Thunder, I think, last I checked were like maybe six. Um, uh, and their half-court defense has been solid too. But that they that there are so many parallels, and then you have this Edwards trying to get through the muck of this like gigantic lineup that the Timberwolves have now. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they when they come out there. With, uh, I mean, Conley's been out, so they come out there with Nikhil Alexander Walker, McDaniel's, Edwards, Towns, and Gobert. Everyone's six six and above. That's one. That's a gigantic <laughs> right. lineup, and it's to go. I mean, talking about SGA's this rivalry, cousin, by the way, another connected who, who issue. guards him well. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, or, Knows I mean, him, well. or as well as someone can guard him. Right. I mean, that you, if you want to go back and like watch, like some of the most impressive thirty-seven points you'll ever see. That the 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 last Timberwolves Thunder game that the that the Wolves won and really shut the door in the fourth. But yeah, has
1: got fined after that game. He said, "Please find me."
4: Yes, I mean Shea, Shea goes goes for thirty seven that game, um, giving it to Edwards and McDaniel's and his cousin. That's as tough a thirty seven as you're going to see. But that I mean that Wolves team is it's terrifying for in a playoff series because they are just so physical. I mean it's it it uh, it. And it's really f- almost from the, like, outside in, in a way. Like, there's Go- – Gobert is for sure setting a tone down there, but you never, like, watch Gobert and you're like, wow, what a rugged, tough guy. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, f- physically, Edwards and McDaniel are bulls out there, and they really, really – And then you got say, Nas Reed, who's a bull. Dude, Nas is mm-hmm. – I mean, can't say enough good things about Nas. And he, he he's the type of guy that will win them – at least one playoff game, and maybe a couple. Like it, it, when I'm
1: thinking about the matchup of these two teams, like, d- d- do the Thunder need to go get like a, not necessarily him, but like a beef stew type? Like, do we need like a big like that that can can you know battle with these bigs in Minnesota or Jokic? You know
4: what I mean? Like, is right. that a guy that you need to go after? It. I mean, it's it it, it kind of is. He might be available. Yeah, I mean, it, taking it, his it, minutes. It, I I kind of it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier when it's like. You want somebody who's able to lean on Jokic a little bit. I don't want somebody who the, that's all they can do. I don't need be I don't need like, you know, Biombo coming in and giving <laughs> me six fouls, but every but he can't catch the ball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like and or or, you know, you're playing out of a double somewhere else, the ball hits his hands and he can't reverse it. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. like I do not I d I don't I don't want to You want to keep the fluidity of the offense. I don't want the Thunder to be so concerned about like a weakness that they do something to paper over it that messes up the other stuff that have become strengths because of the way that they play with these, like, young athletic dudes that may be a little bit undersized but Mm. can fly around and make plays.
1: But in general, the Thunder ahead
4: of schedule, right? That's the feeling. I think very, very... I mean, Mm -hmm. any any Thunder fan who was... If you had presented me... me, (laughs) With, hey, at the start of February, the Thunder will be the number two team in the West. That's like you, before the season, you're saying, oh, they're like eons ahead of schedule. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's this is it's it. I don't think it's gonna be feeling like house money for too much longer because once you're a contender, then everyone starts talking you about. Mm -hmm. talking about your team like that and then you start thinking like that and all this like (laughs) oh we're young you have to keep reminding yourself of that because everyone's like no you could win now Mm -hmm. you could do it now it's 2012 and so I'm trying to enjoy the sort of the last days of (laughs) of my innocence here before it gets ripped away from me
1: before it gets turned up Uh, shout out to the Thunder it's been a fun year we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk to Tyler about Dame's return to Portland Ben Simmons and LeBron James maybe leaving the Lakers we'll be right back Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Tyler Parker. We talked about the OKC Thunder. We got that box checked. Now let's talk about the rest of the NBA. I want to start with Dame's return to Portland. He loses this game, but an ultimate good guy moments from him. He's shaking everybody's hands. He's having, like, like it, people are coming out of the crowd to, like, you know, shake his hand. I mean, it was a beautiful moment, but they did lose the game. After the game, Dame says... I'd like to finish my career here in Portland. How much are we buying into that, or is this just like a politician going back to his base? You know, I I want to believe Dame because because that it felt genuine.
4: Yeah, it's it's a, I like the uh, you know Jerry Rice, Emmitt Smith, Ladanian Tomlinson. Mm-hmm. Like even if it, even if he doesn't come back and play there, sign, sign for a day. Sign for a day. Mm-hmm. Retire a Blazer. That's what everybody. I mean, it, it, no matter. He could go in two titles with the Bucks. And I still think when he goes into the Hall of Fame, he's probably gonna be wearing a Blazers jersey. You yeah. Know what I mean? right. Like it's it's not it's that's not gonna be that's I think that's 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 how people are going to um think about him unless just some wild starts happening up north, which is I guess possible. Um <laughs> the doctor is in. Um, but uh no I would I d I'd I'm I I think that Dame, if like, if Dame is uh, as invested in his legacy as he sort of has continually seemed to be, it makes sense that he wants to... Tie that bow off, yeah. That's why yeah. he's
1: in Milwaukee, right? I mean, obviously, Miami was the preferred choice, but he went to a contender. He said he's locked in the moment with the contender, thinks that they can contend, which leads me to my next question. How do we feel about Doc Rivers? You know, first reactions to him being there, he had some early quotes where he was like, I wouldn't wish this on anybody, which <laughs> I think was a little alarming, but other than that, I think it's been, I guess, good so far.
4: Yeah, I mean, you know, they. <laughs> It'd be, it'd be good to see him win a game. The
1: like, also, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. It's a pretty good spot, right? You got Giannis, and you got Dame. Yeah, I think these. I, the
4: I think like the coaches I know, I would wish that situation <laughs> on a lot of people. Right? You know, you get to go play with, for go, like two Hall of Famers. Get to yeah, come it'd be and good. Uh, it um, I, like I think Doc's an improvement for sure. For like a ch- a change needed to be made. Anybody watching those Bucks games could see they were just kind of listless and um. A bad hang, which mm-hmm. is like almost worse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that you got it, Knicks
1: it, fans making graphics of Giannis in a in a Knicks jersey, also Thanassis in a Knicks jersey. And yeah, if I'm it's getting messy out. And there. And if I'm
4: thinking about it from like a Bucks fan perspective, I'm like, we we pull this trigger, we make this move, we got Dame here. This is supposed to be fun. Like, mm-hmm. why is this not more fun? Why yeah. am I worrying about like these defensive rotations? We've had this great defense with Brook and a drop. Why now is yeah, why are the Lopez Griffin brothers arguing
1: at, like, with our coach about the coverage that we're
4: in? Yeah. It's just, it's you know, the like all this, the the stats stuff before the season. You know, be great to have him there. Yeah, right, Games right? it, guy. It, it's it's. I get why you know the change is made. Doc does not inspire boundless confidence in me.
1: I think he likes to to get you off the scent. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, I think yeah. that he's that kind of coach. Like he wants people to say, just like the Clippers, like yeah. he wants them to be like, oh yeah, this this isn't gonna work. Right. And then that's when he strikes.
4: Right. Yes. <laughs> I like I think that they are better suited today to win a title than they were before they fired Griffin. And so in that sense, like it's a win. It's a win. I think that um doc has incentive to make it work for all the obvious reasons he also has a gigantic get out of jail free car where it's like look i came in halfway through the <laughs> yeah, year i had no you know? training camp this yeah. is uh like it's a, it's a and, and you can almost hear rivers saying that sort of thing in a press conference yeah after a raspy the first round, you know voice I mean? yeah look i mean we well, <laughs> next year we'll have a training camp be like but you can almost hear you know like
1: it's um. People were upset about Giannis getting the the inbound Dame inbound and get to Giannis him going to the free throw line. That seems like uh, you know all, all the coaches on Twitter are saying why would you not you know put Giannis there to yeah the I mean little I, things like that I, yeah.
4: I I get it I mean even I mean my like if you really want to nitpick there's the play with the, I, I forget if it was the one with with fifty some seconds left in the game or the one with twenty some seconds left in the game but it basically winds up being a pick and roll. With Lopez popping and and Giannis is kind of diving to the rim, but like Kamara's well ahead of him because the Blazers are switching everything. And so Giannis is kind of it's a it's a dive, but it's yeah. no, there's nothing real about it. He's not gonna get it. And to in the game, decoy
1: more than anything. Yeah, right? to
4: end the game with Giannis not like a seminal part of the final action <laughs> is kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, right. You'd like to think that that's like a a, um believable option for the defense you know what I mean and it didn't it just it just wasn't that and so I it's if I'm a Bucks fan I'm happier today than I was a couple weeks ago for sure I'm not feeling like I'm not dancing though okay great but it's I mean that the 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 Damianis offense could also have no leadership to it whatsoever, and put up 140 on anybody, mm. and so it's like, what, what even matters? <laughs> yeah, like, I right. yeah, I don't know.
1: These are two top seventy-five guys. So yeah. Let's talk about Ben Simmons. He is not a top seventy-five guy, but he is back. Uh, and then he was out with a knee injury. He also told a reporter recently, "quote It's always a fast break when I have the ball," which feels like a twenty sixteen Ben Simmons quote. Um, what are our thoughts on Simmons right now? And like, what what does it look like? How many more years of Ben Simmons do we even have in the NBA?
4: I want. I mean, I one if you're gonna come with the with you know something as sort of half baked as. It's always a fast break when I have the ball. Like, he's been sitting out for a while. Like, I need him to have like loaded in the chamber stuff. That's much more eclectic and fun right? than it's always a fast break. When also, I also we've ball.
1: seen like generational guys that have gotten hurt, like a Derek Rose, for example, Derek goes away and he comes back and he's almost like more cerebral. Like you feel like he's been meditating. Like right. he's had like this self, like reflection. Yeah. This does not seem to be the case. For, uh, our
4: guy ben. Reflection does not <laughs> seem to be on his list of priorities, which
1: maybe looking at the mirror at his own reflection. I don't know. Maybe but...
4: so. He wears cool glasses. I, you know i I, he's got fits (laughs) my my thing with him is like yeah like you know he he comes back in his first game i think he has whatever you know
1: seven and and ten or
4: even i mean but he was you know he like nice assist numbers nice rebound numbers stuff that you would sort of expect he's still not looking at the goal Mm -hmm. and unless he's looking at the goal i don't really see a point in um getting excited about what he might, what a healthy him might look like mm-hmm. because it you, you're taking away any potential for you to be useful to a playoff team it it doesn't at this point the league has no time for somebody no matter how athletic they are no matter how skilled they may be in every other facet of the game if you can't shoot if people are going to lay off you to the point that they know you're not even going to look at the rim. You're a liability. You can't, you can't play, can't play right. when it. You can't. You can't play in the, the like, last four minutes of a real. Not in any game. crunch. Yeah, like right. you just. You can't be counted on. So I don't. He's. I hope he's healthy. I'd like to see him like be able to play for a whole month. You know what I mean? Like in twenty games.
1: Just give me twenty games, and then I can talk about it in a real way. Also, yeah. anybody that doesn't have a basketball goal in their house um, that is a basketball player. That's a red flag for me always. Um, So that's the Ben Simmons news. Last thing, let's talk about the Lakers. We're in Los Angeles. We know how this goes. KOC, our boy, says the Lakers should consider moving on from LeBron. Do you agree with this? Like, is it time? Is is the show over in Los
4: Angeles? KOC is such a saucy mama, you know? I I like the headlines. I like the clicks. (laughs) (laughs) You got my attention. I read it. It's, I mean... I don't think the Lakers are going to be trying to move on from LeBron. They seem pretty tied together right now. Now, Mm -hmm. whether LeBron is trying to move on from them, that wouldn't surprise me.
1: Right. Um, Especially if they have not promised Bronny is going to be there, which sounds like that is the scuttlebutt behind the scenes a little bit, too. So he wants to play with Bronny.
4: I'm sure it was not LeBron's idea of a good time to have to carry so much of the load again this year for the Lakers. He, like again, he's been you know beyond solid for this being is twenty first. It, it's year. honestly
1: borderline ridiculous. You can't blame him for anything. Even
4: yeah. AD's been even AD's been good defensively. He's been he's been just lights out. And if you saw their
1: if you saw their numbers, you would say this team's you know top six in the West.
4: I think if you I think if before the season you had said this is how LeBron and Anthony Davis are playing. And you said, How are the Lakers doing? I would have for sure guessed they were in the top half of the West. It's, mm. I mean, it's, they, they, the shooting's abysmal. The lineups suck. Ham seems not long for the team. A lot of hands in
1: pockets it, for Ham.
4: Yeah. I mean, you you just can't, like, I like it when the Lakers play bully ball when they get these big lineups out there and, 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 and really just kind of try to beat you up. That's, they've been a bad matchup for the Thunder the times that they've played this year because of that. Um, unless they can pair that with some shooting and some kind of like on ball invention, like some real deal kind of creativity from some of these perimeter dudes, it's not going to happen. And, and Ham doesn't seem invested in trying to play the kind of lineups and make the kind of moves necessary for that to happen. So I, it, I wouldn't, I'm not, I don't, I, I never want to like say a LeBron team is finished because he's Jason and will never die. Mm -hmm. Um, but Yeah, it can't be fun to be a Laker fan right now.
1: Yeah, Sixers fans, uh, they're on the watch right now because they're trying to figure out if they should make a trade for LeBron. Who knows what happens with LeBron James. It's always a good show. Tyler, where can we find all your work? And then uh, we're going to wrap this thing up.
4: Ringer.com. I'll be right in there. We'll have something coming before uh, All-Star Game, I think. I just wrote a thing on chat. Um,
1: Yeah. I love it. Check it out there. TheRinger.com. Appreciate everybody tuning in to Through the Ringer. Appreciate Tyler Parker. Appreciate Nora for coming on the show. We will be back next week. No show with Sal on Tuesday, but we will be back on Friday. We'll see you then.